0: We want to take it to the world. Like, we love the heart behind it. It fulfills us personally because it is something commercial that we can feed our families with and we can live day to day, but we can also actually have a massive impact um, in people's hearts when they stay there and then giving back around the world.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Mindful Isle, the podcast where we delve into the lives of doers, makers, and thinkers from all corners of Tasmania talking all things slow living, ethical business, sustainability, and fostering community connection. I'm your host, Daisy Baker. Every now and then, you meet someone who has a knack for turning day-to-day processes on their head, determined to make a positive difference. Today's guests, Sam Haberley and Toby Wilkin, do just that. They're two of the partners behind Launceston's Change Overnight Hotel. Unique Enterprise has 18 rooms and each night guests stay, they have the opportunity to give back to one of Change's eight aligned charities. In this conversation, we rewind to when the idea first formed and discuss how they made it a reality. Here's Sam and Toby.
2: Welcome Sam and Toby to the MyFlyle, such a pleasure to have you on the show today. A couple of quick fire questions to kick us off. So I'll ask you both separately. How would you sum up Tassie living in one sentence?
0: I'll give it a crack. Um, it's laid back, easy and opportunistic. Love it. That was good. Um, I've always said um, live
3: local, complete, compete global. Um, and when it comes to like, attaching that to, the, to, to change, that's about being able to, to make an impact um, but, but still be local. And like Sam mm-hmm. said, have the, you know, the lifestyle, laid back living.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's good.
2: For sure. Yeah. And what, what's your favorite way to integrate mindfulness into your day?
0: For me, it's running. I got addicted to running about three or four years ago. around ran the New York Marathon last year.
2: Wow. And like
0: for me, like getting up in the morning and going bashing out 10 to 20 Ks kind of gets me set for the day. And if I don't do it, I'm not as sharp. And I know yeah. that. Yeah. Mm.
2: Wow. What about you, Toby? Yeah.
3: Mine would be uh, up early, a bit of a workout, not so much the running at the moment, but um, bit like gym style workout and, um, and just being able to have that time, that hour before the phone starts where mm. you can just sort of structure your day and get everything aligned, you know, so you're ready to sort of pounce. <laughs> before you have all
2: the email notifications and everything yeah.
1: <laughs> yep. Yep. bombarding <laughs> you. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm.
2: All right. Let's get into it then. Let's rewind a couple of years, Sam. You were one of the initial partners, it was you and Tara, who came up with the idea. Take us back to some of those initial conversations that you guys had and where the idea for Change Overnight Hotel was born.
0: Yeah, for sure. So with my company, S, that I founded about nine years ago, we've always had a heart to give back with what we do. We just recently got to the point and have actually, through giving funds and raising funds, um, giving a million dollars to developing projects around the world, which is really exciting. So that passion's always been there. And then um, in partnership with Tara, we're actually away in Noosa at um, Living Valley Springs Health Retreat, and they're one of our clients, Um, and we're doing some work with them. And I got a call from this guy in Melbourne. What's his name? Dave. can't remember his surname. We'll just call him Dave. And he's the guy who owns all the fashion labels, Gorman... um, Dangerfield, Jack London, Alana Hill, all these dudes. And we've been working with those guys for a while on some stuff. And they had a big multi-story building in Hobart, which they didn't know what to do with. And I was talking with him and it was like, we should look at converting that into short-term accommodation and then creating some kind of brand around it and then turning it into accommodation and, and a business model. And we explored that for probably two or three months and just commercially couldn't quite get it to stack up. Um, And at the same time, um, one of my old friends by the name of Tony Bush, who owns this building, was looking at redeveloping this building and he came to us as architects to do the plans to do that and essentially just turn them into apartments to rent out. And I had a look at it and said, well, hang on, we could probably do that same model there. So then we explored that and that looked like it was stacking up. And then through further conversations, it was like, well, how can we actually do this but actually create a bigger impact? Because we can do it and we can create some money, create some profits, and that's great. It supports the local economy. It supports us. But what if we could do something that, A, inspires the people every time they stay there, and then, B, has a bigger impact from the money it actually makes in the global economy? So that was how it was born.
2: Excellent. And at what point did you come on board, Toby?
0: Um, probably, Probably 12
3: months after that, initial sort of conversation that Sam had with Tara and, and sort of like them feeling it out. They started to put together a business model and it was actually one night late on Sam's front deck where he was staying. We had a couple of beers and we were, we were sort of pondering life I think at the time.
0: I think we were on top and of the red wine at that time. We may <laughs> have
3: been. And, um, and I was just explaining to him how um, I'd been looking for something that, that we could create some impact with that we could scale. Um, So, you know, giving locally or giving to a charity is, you know, really good and I support it, but it also doesn't really sort of have a big impact. Sometimes you feel like you're just a drop in the ocean type thing. Um, So we're sort of exploring like what could we do to to actually make a big impact and Sam's like, well, I've got this idea (laughs) and started running that past me and I said, you know what, I think that's actually got some legs, you know, I think we could do something with that, and. It's it's something that doesn't have to just be one location. It could be something that's you know somewhere else, and they support a bunch of charities, and then somewhere else, and they support it. So so it ticked all the boxes for me as far as um, you know being able to meet those. I suppose that desire to to create something a bit bigger um, and have a lasting impact. So I got involved probably from about a week after that, yeah, and and that was before this was still only in its infancy. Um so we went through and and obviously took it to construction and and then um it out and created the the business systems and stuff around it and and yeah got it going.
2: And what was that process like between kind of those initial conversations up to the point where you actually opened the doors to the public?
3: It was stressful? Yeah. Yeah, like anything, you know, when you when you're creating something from nothing. You know, we we had some pretty big challenges um one, we had to make it so that we could actually be able to give back and, and support the hotel. So there was that challenge of, you know, how's that gonna look? It needs to be able to retail because people aren't going to want to spend extra just to give back. Um, so we had those and then, well, then we also had the challenge where really no one had done a receptionless hotel. So we did a fair bit of research, you know, we couldn't really find anywhere where someone had nailed this concept. Um, so we
0: had to really build that from from nothing. Had um, to invent a model. Yeah. And it, it still took us up to probably nine months after operation to actually get that right. Yes. Um, yeah, because there's a whole lot of technicalities in it.
3: Hmm. Mm. So, so I suppose yeah, it was stressful. Um, yeah. But we've we've got something now that's really unique. Um, there's no one else that's that can offer this type of system and this type of. Um, model, you know, and and now we've got something that we can
0: box up and take somewhere else.
2: And how does that business model work?
0: As far as a giving back? Yeah, 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 as far as
2: like if I come in and book a Hotel room, what percentage of my money is then going to my chosen charity?
0: Yeah, so that's a really interesting question because everyone always goes, What's the dollar amount or what's the percentage? And we looked at that. This was an um an initial conversation. Actually his name was David Heaney. We sat in David Heaney's office in Melbourne, who's the fashion guy, and we we pitched the idea to him. He said, The issue you've got is all these charities or for-profits out there that go, we give ten percent of our money or we give X amount, but they don't know how much of the director's getting or how much is going to this or that. They could drive the it's right down and it's actually only two dollars it ends up going to the charity so we said he said at the time you need to give something tangible so what we did is we looked at a bunch of charities and said okay if we could give X amount of dollars what is that tangible impact that you're actually going to be able to give and actually help the world so for example um, in India an orphanage we work with We give our donation and then they give 210 breakfasts to the kids at the orphanage. Um, Or at a school in Vanuatu, it provides a month's education. Or locally here, it can lock up 10 square metres of wilderness. So what we want to do to the consumer is give them the opportunity to actually feel like they've given something tangible, It's not just a percentage or a dollar amount.
2: Mm. Mm, For sure. And so you've got eight charities on board who you've partnered with. How did you go about actually choosing them?
0: Yeah, so we, when we started, there was four of us in the group, and we all kind of had different passions um, around the world as to what we wanted to give back to. Um, my personal passion was around education and around orphanages, particularly in developing countries, because I've done a lot of work there previously. So they naturally came from there, whereas other people had passions around mental health or uh, um, the environment. Um, so we pulled them together, mm. I suppose, really selfishly from our own interests to a degree. Um, mm. And that's where it, where it came together. And we, um, we got to a point where
3: we decided um, it would be nice to get input from other people as well. So yeah. we actually put the last few out to public vote. Last so two, wasn't it? We two, yeah. Yep. So, they, um, so people put in submissions to, uh, for charities. So we got to learn about a whole bunch of charities we would never have known about unless people bring our attention to it. Uh, and then out of those, we selected a top ten, and then people voted for them, and then two got selected to fill the last spot. It is, and there will always be a need for it too. Yeah. So it's it's an ongoing thing. But uh, the idea was also to to um, replace those charities after twelve months. So we had originally planned to say, okay, um, we're going to do twelve months with everyone, and then we'll put the whole lot out to public vote again and let everyone vote in new charities. With the event of COVID though, those charities have ended up missing out on, you know, basically six months worth of our trading because we haven't been able to trade properly as a hotel. Um, so we felt that we'd probably like to continue on with them this time, you know, to give them a proper run. But the the definitely the, the plan moving forward is that they will be cycled so that... We can find out about new charities, we can um, support new, upcoming, different um, you know, initiatives and things like mm-hmm. that. And also, one of our big points was we really wanted to uh, uh, raise awareness for these charities. So in the hotel rooms, there's a compendium that tells you a bit about that charity. Um, it also has it on the website, which you've probably seen. And it just sort of brings awareness to to some
0: of these, you know, where... And it's through the whole booking process as well. So it's always front of mind when you get your emails confirming your booking and about the charities and links and all that kind of stuff. So it's very Hmm. much threaded through. You might have seen the impact statement. I don't know. Yes. Yeah,
3: so the impact statement comes out quarterly and that just gives an overview of of what sort of impact the hotel's had to each of the different charities for, for that quarter, so... That's that's been exciting actually to watch that grow, you know, um, and, and see the different trends, you know, people Mm -hmm. who they select and and who they want to support. So yeah, it's been good.
2: Off the top of your head, do you know what kind of impact you've had over the last 12 months?
0: We've got that in a statement actually. We do. Um, we could probably dig that up. Here we go. Changes impact so far. I have to back engineer it, but just to give you an example. Um, With one of our charities, we've donated 26,040 breakfasts um, for orphans in India. Um, And if you look at Tasland Conservancy, um, we've locked up 1,800 square metres of land, so essentially three residential blocks worth of land. Mm. Um, And if we look at something like um, education... Being a little bit biased in my selection here. <laughs> Forty years of education. Wow. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's New actually year. blown. That's blown <laughs> me. I've never calculated it like that. Yeah. Well, it's 118 real. terms of education. If there's three terms a year, you divide that by three. Yeah, it's 40 years. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. And
2: what's the response been like from guests that you've had?
0: It's mixed. Um, so I'll cover off what we we're talking about before, but it was. Um, Get The consumer is typically buying at the moment based on it being a hotel room not being the brand because the brand hasn't been out there for that long. And, you know, you compare it to something like Thank You Water that when they first launch, people are buying that bottle of water because it's a bottle of water. They don't really understand the story and the brand's not that, um, what's the word, like out there yet. Mm. Um, and then it's going to take time for our brand to build. So people are buying our product based on the actual cause behind it. So we get... We get a small amount of feedback, probably 5 to 10% of people who stay, they absolutely love the com- concept, love giving back. And that's great for us and that's what we want to get to. But we want to be able to build that brand so that is the majority of our customer base. Hmm. Yeah, a lot of people, and it goes back to that, we were talking
3: before about the economics of it, and people, are, people book hotels normally on price. So they'll look at the photos and they'll say, okay, this looks nice. Yeah. Is it in our price range? Yes okay we we book, and that's why it was really important because we're you know a new brand to get to be price competitive was really important to get the name out there, and that's probably been one of the biggest challenges is is just weighing that up all the time and saying, okay, well, we want our our goals are here, but we need you know to get there, we need to have those steps in between, um, which has been yeah, yeah, it's been good evolving.
2: So, maybe you guys could give us a bit of a a walkthrough, I guess, of the hotel. What the guest experience is like when they check in come through the door for the first time
0: so they book online typically online sometimes they will call up and then the whole experience even on our website is this concept of going from the dark to the light so looking at transformation in people's lives Um, and it comes back to that layer that I was um, referring to before where it's not just about the impact that we have from through our charities but the actual impact of the people who stay in inflicting heart change so then they hopefully go away and actually want to do a better thing in the world So our user experience all the way through wants to reflect that. So they book the night, then um, the communication that they have through their emails and through the tone and the visuals of that and the links that they have very much ties back to that. And then they rock up for the night of their accommodation. They come up this side alleyway um, of the hotel and they get a little code pop in the door and it's all dark and gloomy with a few hanging lights um, black and white graffiti on the wall of some quite distressed looking faces there's the sounds of the streets of Calcutta which sound very chaotic Um, so it's this whole concept you walk in and you're a little bit unsettled and you're you're unsettled to start with because you're rocking up to a new place and human nature they don't like typically new things so it's adding to that experience and then you pop open the door to your apartment and it's all light bright white and then there's an individual piece of um, graffiti art which reflects the idea of change so you've come from out in the hallway where it's black it's all light and colorful and it's got a real joy about it a positivity in it and a way to move forward and um, it, it comes down to a further few little details within the room, like small quotes and pieces of um, graffiti that are hidden on backs of doors or you go into the bathroom and when you close the door in the bathroom, there's a bit of graffiti on the back, but you can only read it on the mirror in reflection. So there's all these little design touches that, that play mm. on the brand.
2: And Toby, it was you who came across the local artist that you commissioned yeah. for the work. Do you want to talk a bit about that and how kind of came across him?
3: Yeah, so we had this idea that, like what Sam's just explained about going through the hotel and, and this experience. And it's really cool to have the idea, but it's the second part is like, how do you execute that? You know, what does it actually look like in reality? And so we thought a graffiti artist would be a great way to go instead of doing pictures and frames and things like that. Um, so I set about trying to find said guy, <laughs> and yep. said guy's is not that easy to find, you know, you can find plenty of graffiti down at the local skate park, but, you know, finding someone that's, that's able to, you know, do it at scale and be able to do this type of things, not quite that easy. We found a guy that on, on Gumtree that, um, that said he was, he was looking to try and just do graffiti art for people for free. So it could be on their wall or, you know, in their backyard or whatever, and it was more he had a real passion for it and a real skill, but he wanted to just practice really you know, and just hone his skills and uh, So I contacted him and said, "Look, you know we've got a project here that we think you might be interested in. um come and have a look and have a chat so we we sat down and straight away he's like, "Yeah, when do I start <laughs> you know um, and yeah he he got he got going um and he's he tried to. Well, at the start, actually, we had a brief for him, and the brief was, you know, we had a fair idea of what we wanted, and we re- realised pretty quickly, like Sam mentioned before, that he wasn't the kind of guy that you could box up and, and give a real strong brief to, so we, we loosened that off and let him have really just an artist's run of it, um, and he just, he took off with it. Yeah, he just went nuts.
0: Yeah. And it just got better and better as it went through, which It was did. really cool. It did. And he's like one of our best mates, you now, he always comes to our parties and hangs out. And, <laughs> he yeah, does, yeah.
2: And I think it's it awesome. just really makes the hotel what it is, too. Like yeah. so it really adds to the feel and
3: it does. everything. Mm, mm. Absolutely, yeah. Yep. And we actually had all the internal ones done first, um, and then we commissioned him after the hotel had opened to to do the ones in the hallway. So when he got to those, he kind of had a really good understanding of what he wanted to do, didn't yeah, he? Because he yeah. knew that the ones in the rooms were really light. There's, there's a really cool one up the hallway of um, a young kid at the water station, you know, like um, getting some water into a bucket and things like that. So he had some really, really cool ideas, and they he said, okay, we've got to flip it now, and it needs to be a bit more, um, you know, of the darker sort of side. Yeah. And, and so he, I think you really enjoyed that, didn't he? Yeah. The darker side. He had a lot of fun
0: with it.
2: And so what's your plan the next couple of years for change? Where do you hope it'll take you?
0: Well, pre-COVID, we had a lot of stuff lined up and we're really on the expansion trail. We had probably three or four different opportunities and we're actually running... I was actually in Adelaide, I think, a week before COVID hit. We were looking at property there. We were talking about opportunities in Melbourne. And it's all kind of been squashed back a little bit. But having said that, we've got a property in Hobart that we're working with at the moment for another 50 keys um, in central Hobart. Slightly different concept as far as the architecture goes. So Launceston is very much apartment style. This we're actually looking to flip to typical studio hotel rooms plus what we call some micro rooms. So there's a national brand called Little National Hotel um, and they started with their first hotel in Canberra and what they've done is their hotel rooms are typically half the scale of a normal hotel room but fitted out to a really high level. Um, And we're currently exploring the opportunity of actually doing some Almost like micro houses, tiny houses, micro hotel rooms, um, which, yeah, is really different. So the, the concept there, typically you walk into a hotel room and you can walk all the way around the bed. Whereas with this, you have a really large king size bed at the end underneath the window, but it actually goes wall to wall. So that's the next one where that's going in for a planning permit within the next month or two. And we're hoping that we can we can pull that off and we're, ex- we're actually exploring further opportunities in Launceston at the moment as well to get a few more keys mm. and then we'll go back to the mainland once everything, everything clears up. But if we talk big vision, we, like six months ago, we were talking of having five to 10 hotels within the next three years, but that's obviously slowed up a little bit based on what's happened. But mm. we want to do that and then we'd, we'd really want to, Maximize what we can do in Australia and then actually look to go, to go overseas at that point. But we want, to, we want to take it to the world. Like, we love the heart behind it. It fulfills, well, speaking for myself, Toads, but I'm sure you agree, it fulfills us personally because it is something commercial that we can feed our families with and we can live day to day, but we can also actually have a massive impact um, in people's hearts when they stay there and then giving back around the world. Mm, absolutely. that's a pitch it's a good pitch wasn't it nailed nice. it it's got <laughs> me over the you line get re- you get a recording for that line. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and so i mean just what you're talking about then like the the heart feel and changing yeah. the hearts of people do you think that social enterprises are the way of the future and that we're going to see more and more businesses like this over the coming years
0: it's a really interesting thing to mm. see um having that conversation i've had a few conversations with dan flynn the the founder and current i think he calls himself the ceo or whatever the term is of, of, of thank you and how that actually goes um but you still got to have the commercial commerciality around it because those guys have gone through massive ups and downs over their years to actually fight and keep what they've got and actually turn it into something of of scale and real success um and The epiphany that I had probably six to 12 months ago was, I actually feel that the way the future will be, things that are commercial but they can give back over things that are just purely not-for-profit because to actually find capital and investment for a not-for-profit is really bloody hard because Mm. you're not, unless you're purely philanthropic, you're not going to invest in a not-for-profit company. Whereas if you can go to someone, hey, you can invest in this, there's a philanthropic side to it, but you're also gonna get a commercial return, there's a larger opportunity to actually scale that. So not-for-profits are great and they've got their place within the world 100%, I'm not dissing them, but I think to actually have scalability with, on, on a global scale, if you've got commerciality plugged into that, then that can be something that's huge.
3: I'd, I'd agree, I, I think that the not-for-profit space um, is going to go through a heap of changes in the next 10 years. Um, and there's a lot of talk around at the moment um, why it is uncomfortable for people to ask for capital as a not-for-profit, yeah. and why it's okay for a you know a for-profit to, to do that. So there's there's definitely conversations around it. It's whether they can, I suppose, um, blow off that stigma, you know, of of being a not-for-profit and being able to to um, to run it as if it was a for-profit, you know, really. Um, and, and I don't know, I don't know what, what that's going to look like.
0: Mm. Mm. I I honestly feel that the rise of a similar model to where we've got, where there is a philanthropic grounding to it, but it is still a commercial enterprise, Mm. um, really looks like it could be the way of the future because Mm. you can, you can extract people's money to do good a whole lot easier. Whereas it's harder to, like I look at um, what we've done with S Group over nine years and it's taken us nine years to raise a million dollars. Whereas if that was a commercial enterprise which had a direct connection with actually giving, which is a bit more tangible, we might have done four or five million dollars. So, mm.
2: And I think there's something really appealing too for the consumer in, you know, that they feel like they can actually have an impact. Yeah. They're, doing it yeah. they're not just you know a little cog in the machine yeah. <laughs> they, yeah. they can actually help
0: yeah well, there's actually yeah. three tiers yeah. to it isn't it because it's the consumer it's who we're giving to but um, it's also then the people who are coming up with the capital to actually invest in the business or do the project that's right that's the other side yeah. and then those circles of influence go on and on and on
3: mm. Mm. there becomes a bit of ownership around it you know even for the consumers when we send out the you know the the um, quarterly statements, you know, they've they've added to that impact that that's been there. So they might have only stayed one night, but that one night had added up to a, an impact of of X, whatever yeah. that is. And that's a it's a really nice thing for people
0: to be involved in, you know, and they can have some ownership over that because they've created it. I've just got to write down something about doing a social campaign around um, 40 years of education. Because that's, um, I think that's a great, take those that's while a great you get them. selling point. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I guess, just on that, like, where, what's the best time for you to come up with ideas?
0: I'm, I'm really creative at <laughs> weird times. So yeah. I remember, it was it yesterday morning the other morning? I came into the office and I'm feeling creative this morning. Yeah. It it's was. so random for yeah, me, but I, um, running, like we are talking about mindfulness before, running for me is massive because what it does is it slows down my thinking. Like I'm a little bit ADD by nature, so I'm a million miles an hour, da, 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 da. And sometimes I find it hard to be creative within that because I'm thinking of too many things. Whereas when I run, I have to slow down my thinking and I feel like my thinking is at about 20% the pace. So then I somehow have space. It sounds a bit counterintuitive, but for me mm. that... That I seems, experience the same thing. That seems yeah. to work. But yep. I'm also very creative after a bottle of wine. <laughs> <laughs> like legitimately. Like that's the thing because it kind of,
3: yeah. I think we're both um, really good problem solvers as well. So yeah. um, we we can come up with really innovative ideas to fix complex problems. Um, and that's where we work really well. Because starting stuff like this, you know, everything in life comes with its own set of problems. And we can navigate those and, and come up with really decent solutions. It could be late, late at night on a Snapchat. Or yeah, <laughs>
0: It could be first thing in the morning on an email. I but to give you an example of this. Toby sent me a message about three or four weeks ago. He said, we can buy these 80 keys, this hotel with 80 <laughs> keys, for a really cheap amount of money. And then I was like, oh yeah. And then I've called him up. I said, where is it? He said, it's Queenstown. I was like, <laughs> as in like New Zealand, no, it's Queenstown. And Tasmania. So then, but this is an example of the problem solving. And then I've gone, no, you're being, you're being an idiot. No way. And I said, well, let's look at it. And we always explore things. We'll, we'll never throw it out. We always explore it. And we've gone, and we've basically gone through a problem solving exercise to go, how could we make this really commercial? And then we bought the hotel. <laughs> But that's, that's an yep. example. And it's the same when COVID hit. Like COVID hit and every, every hotelier around town's going crap. And we just yep. jumped on it. And I think we freaked out for about two weeks. But then we came up with a solution and then actually worked through it. And yep. that is, I suppose that is creativity. It is, but yeah. But it's also just not stressing, not giving an F too much and not letting it get to you.
3: Mm.
0: Yeah, well, as soon as you do let it get to you, you just you end up
3: getting fried. And yeah, yeah. you can't think straight. And that's, that's where the running can help or, you know, some quiet time, whatever. But yeah, like, and that's the COVID thing is a really good example of that problem solving. You know, everyone had a similar problem. Mm. Um, We were just really fast at working out how we can provide a solution that can work for everyone and shutting
0: down the hotel was never an option for us was it we never even no, not considered once. that no we never even considered that We're like, we'll just we'll find a solution yeah here we go we'll put we put a bunch of the rooms on with a local real estate we put a bunch of them on social media just on my personal one suddenly i'm getting a hundred a hundred different messages from all these yep. different people we've turned into pseudo dodgy landlords and <laughs> We were a removalist service for a while when we had to kick a few people out. We transported some bunnies. Yep,
2: All the different hats. It's it's,
0: (laughs) it's actually hilarious if you filmed it all.
2: Where would you like to see Tasmania in the next five years?
0: It's, It's really interesting. People always talk about Tasmania as a tourism hotspot which tourism is great for Tasmania, but I think that we're bigger than that. And I actually see a massive entrepreneurial spirit within Tasmania, um, a whole lot of go-getters. Um, and I'm not sure exactly what that, you know, is that due to us being slightly isolated? There's less opportunity. But I would love to see us being an entrepreneurial heart or hotspot globally. I think it would be really cool. Mm. Yeah, like
3: it would be awesome to see... Um, like a hotspot for innovation you know because we when you look into tassie there's been so many different things that have come out like startups that um have ended up taking on the world stage you know um and all start from here so i like that concept i also think that um that in the future it'd be nice to see our economy being a little more self-sustaining um so tas tasmanian people and we're starting to see it, travelling a bit more interstate, interstate sorry, we've got so many things to offer here that you know we always get a bit, I don't know, like um, a deer in the headlights with the mainland, you know we want to go over there and, and experience that, we've got so much stuff here that most of the time we haven't even looked at, um, so it'd be really awesome to see uh, if we can make it a little more self-sustaining within Tasmania and not have to rely on on as much tourism in the future because what we've seen with this crisis and we may see in the future is that that model may not work as well in the future.
1: Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Mindful Isle. I found Sam and Toby's perspective on life so refreshing and I hope that you have found this conversation as inspiring as I did. If you're enjoying these episodes and you haven't already, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts or hit follow on Spotify. I'll be back in your ears next Wednesday with another episode. But in the meantime, you can stay up to date on Instagram at The Mindful Isle.